Hello and welcome back. It's the 5th of February 2022. It's episode 2. I'm still here. You're still there. Things are looking good. So, in today's show, we look at my primary school days, and as promised, we also look at my Sea Cadet days. I hope you all are very well today, uh, as am I. Um, it's been a strange week, really. We are in this limbo period where we think spring has sprung, but the icy cold wind tells us differently. The reassuring thing is summer will be here soon, and I can get out and do deal with some of the jobs around the gardens, which, you know, the whole winter it's got a bit, uh, a bit messy, but never mind. So I noticed in the news this week, Olivia Coleman didn't get get her an award. Sorry, get her, get my words mixed up there. Again, come on, Steve, rattle that brain. Yeah, Olivia Coleman didn't receive an award this week. I don't know what else she has to do to earn one. It's a bit of a snub, if you ask me. She's a fabulous and talented actress. And if you haven't watched The Landscapers, I highly recommend that you do. Okay, I can hear you saying it. What the hell are you going on about today, Steve? Well, okay, I'm back with you, and my minor rant is all but a memory. Back to today's show, I wanted to share with you my primary school days. What prompted me to add this today was my eldest sister. The school we attended was Ludgevan County Primary School, and it was up Ludgevan Hill. In fact, my mum attended this school in the days that they danced around the Maypole. Myself and my sister Susan would walk up the hill from Lower Quarter Ludgevan, returning sorry, I just lost my way, returning home at lunchtime and then retracing our steps back to the school, only to walk back home again at home time. No wonder we were Olympic athletes. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. No, I'm only joking. But you grab my meaning. Yeah, we were glad of the weekend. I have a lot to thank my sister Susan for. I remember her playing tapes that were recorded from the radio. That's how I gained my appetite for music. I would often hear the Bay City Rollers, T-Rex and the Suite coming from her room. But now and then we had to stay for school dinners. Susan saved my life countless times. Back then we had to eat everything that was served, good or bad, and it was mainly bad. And the cook, we called Cookface, a very large lady with a look that could kill a hundred yards was stride around the canteen making sure you did eat everything that was on your plate. So Susan would quickly remove the food that I couldn't eat and wrap it up in her handkerchief, concealing it in her cardi pocket. To say she would have been in trouble for her actions is an understatement. Our headmaster was called Ben Jobert. And he was the best teacher I ever had the privilege of knowing. Long before the playing fields in Ludgeon were ever dreamt of, in order for us to play a football match against another school or even to football train, we had to walk down Ludgeon Hill, down to Crowless, across Crowless Crossroads and out Raspeef Road. Then we had to walk down this overgrown mud path to the pitch. We were totally knackered before we started. The pitch had everything you didn't need. K 
cowpats, thistles and a waterlogged plane surface. We used the old leather footballs, the ones where you kept the inflated bladder inside via six holes with a piece of string that you pulled tightly and finished it with a neat knot. However, once the ball had soaked up all the water, it became a deadly weapon. If you tried kicking it, it felt like kicking an anvil. And if it became airborne, oh god, I can hear Ben Jalbert now. Get your head to it! After about two weeks, you woke up with the imprint of the six holes and the knot embedded into your forehead. I jest, of course, but yeah, it was pretty tough back in those days. I also remember the day we received our 11 plus results. We were ushered into the art room, a very small room of, well, art stuff. Mr. Gelbert read out the names of who've passed the exam. One of my friends, we will call him Stuart, well, that was his name, so we might as well, who incidentally joined the school when we were into our last year, shouted out, Yes! I thought at the time he had been that his name had been read out and he was attending grammar school next term. But come to find out, he was celebrating the fact that he hadn't passed his exam. That incident has stayed with me all these years and I quite can't quite fathom out his intention. Was he just saving face? Stuart and I um, became good friends in that short while. I'd stayed at his place and we got up to different things started to learn about girls, air rifles, and that sort of stuff. Once we started Haymore County Secondary School, we grew apart. I still wanted his friendship, but it had become a little impossible. We adopted new friends. His group of assholes, oh I'm sorry, his group of friends seemed to think that they were a little more elite. But just remember, we all failed our 11 plus. Okay, okay Steve, no need for bitterness. Calm the hell down. Years later, when I was a salesman in a family-owned electrical shop in Penzance, his father, who along with his mother remained in touch, took him to the shop to see me. He had moved away up country to be Superman or something. That was a little more bitterness creeping in, did you notice? Nope. Okay, I think I got away with that one. Now, take into consideration that it had only been six or seven years since we left school, and I still had most of my hair. Turning to his son, his father said, You remember this person, don't you? To which Stuart replied, taking my hand, Yep, I sure do. Hi, Richard. Well, the air seemed to suck out of the room. I was stunned. Gripping his hand tighter, I replied, It's Stephen. He took a step back. Oh, I thought it was Richard Stevens. How the hell could he get this wrong? We had been really good friends. I remember telling myself at the time, although I was really pleased to see him, it really wouldn't bother me if I ever saw him again. I see his mother every week when she shops at the the supermarket I work at. We chat and sometimes talk of the past. She manages to call me Stephen. So you might have guessed that I'm recording this over a few days. And, um, well, today is Saturday and it's the 12th of February and we're still in 2022. So, as promised, let's get on to the um, final part of the show uh, or the experience or the episode, whatever you'd like to call it. 
I joined the Secretettes with a very good friend, a true friend, and he was called Billy. We joined after the elite friends had joined, but Billy and myself gained far more out of the cadets than the elite friends ever did. Now what does that tell you? Our unit was, and still is, T.S. Grenville, S.C.C., down Jennings Street, in Penzance. I remembered the street name as it was the same name as our music teacher's surname. I know you really didn't need to hear that, but you've heard it. It was Mr. Jennings who would play a lot of ELO, the electric light orchestra in Old Money, uh, in our class. Uh, my dear and late friend, Paul, uh, was also um, a big fan of the electric light orchestra, and so I got hooked. Anyway, anyway, let's not go down that road, or else I'll never tell you about the secrets. After the allotted time as a new recruit was over, and we pledged our allegiance to the Secret Corps, we finally got our uniforms. Now, if I remember clearly, we met on Tuesday night, or was it Monday night? <laughs> you see how clearly I'm remembering? Not. Uh, it was definitely Friday night. One set of uniform was called number eights and was our general uniform for activities. Our other uniform was full blues. No, 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 not that sort of blues. Honestly, calm down. I remember cycling to the Army Navy stores at Hale to buy a pair of military odd-nail boots. Both myself and Billy took great pride in our boots and we were shown by a Marine Cadet Sergeant. Yep, we had Marine Cadets at our unit. I think their nickname was Bootnecks. Uh, anyway, this sergeant uh, showed us how to keep the toe caps gleaming. All you do is smear the boot in black boot polish. Easy so far, isn't it? And light a candle. Yep, you were right. With one of mother's best dessert spoons, heat the spoon over the candle and then spoon over the polish. Repeat several times and you're left with gleaming boots and a knackered spoon. This process is called spooning. Okay, okay, stop laughing. That is how we kept our boots looking good. Honestly. Both Billy and myself gleefully accepted the offer of becoming a bugler. My late and great dad uh, was in the army cadets when he was a lad. And he too was a bugler. As a kid, I would look at the black and white photo of my dad in his uniform playing his bugle. I was so proud of him and I wanted to follow in his footsteps. I did. Well, sort of. Petty Officer Jan Jahir was to be our bandmaster, and we soon had enough boys to fill five side drums, one cymbal, one bass drum, and five buglers. We even had a drum major. We practiced every hour we could, and soon we were ready to go on show. We were to play at the Pirates Rugby Club in Penzance, uh, early one summer's evening. We were nervous, but on to the field we marched and played our first piece called the Drum Major. The next march was Jalalabad and we nailed it. When we finished, the crowd rose to their feet and cheered and applauded us. Our smiles were soon dented by Pio Jahir as he shouted, Eyes front! You are still at attention! We marched off to encores and tried to suppress our joy. Once in the car park and out of our audience reach, P 
Petty Officer Traher marched smartly up to us. He smiled and said, You boys only effing nailed it. Well done, lads. You're the pride of Penzance. From that moment in time, we headed every carnival going, and Radio 2 even came down to record us at our unit. At the end of each night at the unit, the divisions would march off to us playing. Cadets and their parents would hang about listening to us, very often asking us to play again and again. Proud days indeed, and a very, very proud time in my life, and I absolutely loved it. We would uh, visit the shooting range uh, at Shinedower, that was also in Penzance. It belonged to the army cadets, um, but now and then um, a Lieutenant Stevens or Bob Panowitz used to take us there uh, on, say, a Sunday, Sunday morning. And uh, if you know, we were one of the lucky ones, which quite often me and Billy were, uh, we'd go there. And uh, the rifles we used to fire were Lee Enfields, uh, and they were once 303 um, ammunition type. But uh, these have been uh, governed down to uh, 2.2 live ammo, and you could get 10 of those in a magazine, still bolt action. Uh, absolutely loved that rifle. Um, you know, later we would do. Um, uh, guard um, duties with it and all that sort of thing. I'm stuttering there. What am I stuttering for? Come on, Steve. Get it together, mate. Grab that sheet of paper. If you can hear it, I apologise. Uh, sometimes I can work from a script. Sometimes I can't. Today I can't do either. Oh, well. Let's carry on. Yeah, so there were two two live round. Um, we used to fire, I think it was about 25 to 30 yards range. And now and then um, this was a very dark dank place and now and then a rat would scuttle across as he was firing and uh accidentally would shoot one but you know that was that was obviously an accident we didn't mean to do it honestly anyway um we did all sorts of things we went sailing uh, we learned how to pull in boats uh knots uh, we went around courses all around the country you know as 13 14 year olds sometimes just two of us going all the way to the other end of scotland to do a course um so it was a real eye opener we grew up fast which we didn't mind uh we also did uh regional drill and guard competitions and they were held up uh, up at rnas cold rose uh helston for those who don't know cornwall uh, big military airbase and we in our first year we won that and we were to go on to the national finals at RDS Rawton in Swindon which I visited a few times so uh, in the finals I was just a ordinary uh, drill squad member and uh, we came third and we were chuffed we were over the moon and when we got back the whole Penzance was you know excited of what we'd done and the next year we entered the regional again and we won and we were due to go again to Rawson in Swindon and um, Holman's dry dock the engineers down there heard of our, our um, exploits what we were doing and they said look hand us all your 303s uh, we're going to strip them down, uh, we're going to paint them up, revarnish them, and they're going to look good. So that's what we did. 
when they came back they were absolutely fantastic what a job those guys did and at the time just outside of Penzance we had a shoe manufacturer called Finns I think they were called Finns Fine Shoes I think that's right and they heard of our exploits and they said look we know your boots are gleaming uh, we know how you you achieved that but we got this special lacquer we can put on them so they won't scratch so we gave them our boots uh, a few days later they came back and they were true to the word so off we went uh, to Rawton with high hopes um, on the way we had to pick up uh, another uh, adult officer from another unit somewhere or other and he was to tell us that the his bugler pulled out of the competition also and asked if I would step in his place which I did um, I came fifth which is not brilliant, but I was playing an instrument that I wasn't used to. It wasn't my bugle, it was somebody else's. Anyway, no excuses. Rubbish, Steve, rubbish. Um, right, moving back, where we to? Yeah, so um, I was in the guard also for these finals. And uh, before we marched on, there was just this other um, officer from another unit, and he was determined that his unit was going to win. And uh, we used to wear white um, naval vests uh, with a blue trim at the top. And uh, he complained uh, that this was unfair. Um, so we had to remove them and put our number eight jerseys on, which felt, you know, very itchy, not very nice. Um, and then he complained about our nail boots. He said it, it wasn't fair that, you know, he seemed to think we were privileged. But anyway, eventually we marched on and we were more determined to win. And we just didn't win. We actually slaughtered the competition. So uh, fond memories there. We we also stayed up there because it was a few days, obviously. And they had a barracks at the side of the hangar. And uh, oh, they were really nice barracks and um, really warm. And we started to march to the where the base canteen was and that was about 10-15 minutes march and one of the head chefs there was an absolute misery and um, we'd never seen so much food never seen so much food it just went on and on so we was taking our time choosing what we wanted anyway this bloke went absolutely mental shouting at us and everything like that but um, no those are good times. We did a few courses up at Rawton as well on separate occasions. Uh, we even did a gun run where we pulled one of those great big guns. You know, they used to fire in the 1700s or whatever. Uh, gun run is <laughs> very dangerous. You'd run around the hangar with it and you had a time to beat. And uh, we didn't beat the time, but then again, we weren't adults. But um, yeah, there was good times. Uh, I enjoyed the cadets, as I've mentioned already. I think it put me in good stead. Uh, for becoming an adult um, um, I do miss it I did go back uh, years later when I was married and I even had a small baby I went back as an as an instructor and um, you try to relive things don't you and that will never work never work but anyway okay this is the end of this one I think I think we come to the end um, the next episode, um, I was going to cover it in this one, but I thought uh, it might be going on a bit and you guys might need a rest from my uh, voice. So in episode three, uh, and this is to do with the cadets, uh, we raised money by uh, doing fun runs and all sorts in order for us to go to the Isles of Scilly for two weeks as half training and a half holiday.
and uh, we were to stay on the island of Briar. Um, if you don't know anything about the Isles of Scilly, you've got a few days to download the map and look where Briar is and look where the uninhabited island of Samson is. S-A-M-S-O-N. Because these two islands uh, will feature in my episode 3. There also is where... Sorry, I'm getting my words mixed up. In this episode, I'll be explaining how one of our cadets had a near-death experience. And we can't put our finger on why, but it has to do with Ouija board and small graves. So that's coming up in the next episode. Once again, you lot have been brilliant. Thank you for listening. Um, look out for episode three. It won't be long, a few days. Um, like I said, if you can look up Isles of Silly and get a bearing where we are, you get a bearing in Penzance if you want and then uh, you find yourself a little more immersed in the subject so until then this is steve richards saying goodbye thank you